we understand that there's only two things that are going to last forever, and that would be people and God's work. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, grass withers, flower fades, the word of our God shall stand forever. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Rudowski. And I'm Emily Wilson. And today we are getting to talk all about our favorite Sunday of the year, or at least it's got to be in the top oh, yeah. three. Maybe. I mean, Easter Easter is Easter, your, our favorite. Right. But Christmas isn't always on a Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that is That's this actually, year, though, right? Is yeah, it? I think that it might be. So then it would be in there. But we are talking about none other than the thing, the Sunday that happens the last Sunday in September every year known as... Bible Translation Sunday. And what is... Bible Translation Sunday. Bible Translation Sunday is a celebration that you can involve your congregation, your Bible study group, whatever you would like. But Lutheran Bible Translators provides resources for people to engage in the work of Bible Translation Ministry. You can join the Bible Translation Movement right where you are and praying for, engaging in worship. There's all kinds of fun stuff. And this year we're hoping to have 120 or more congregations involved. We're doubling up from 2019 and 2020. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that if you are, uh, you know, as an individual congregation, and of course, as Lutheran Bible translators, we are thinking about Lutheran congregations, although it's not limited to that. But as a Lutheran congregation, the thing is the story of Bible translation and the work in the thousands of languages that still are working towards having access to God's Word in the language they understand the best is your story. It's it's a part of your congregation's story. You are part of Lutherans being involved and engaged in putting God's Word in their hands. And you as we'll share hear, that. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, as we'll hear in the podcast coming up, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so when you are investing in putting God's word in the hands of people around the world, you are part of something that's going to last forever. And Bible Translation Sunday is then our, our tool to try to open that window in the world for you, your small group, your Sunday school class, your congregation, to uh, see what you are doing uh, when you're involved in mission, in God's mission, in Bible translation. And where can folks find out more about Bible Translation Sunday? You can easily find the resources at lbt.org slash bts and fill out the form to let us know that you are celebrating so that we can be praying for you and the people in your life who are going to be impacted by this ministry. So this morning, we get to talk with Dr. Reed Lessing, who is actually the contributor uh, for the Bible Translation Sunday 2021 sermon, but also the children's sermon and message. And oh my word, I have corresponded with Dr. Lessing. I've heard stories about him. And it was just such a joy to be able to, to sit down and talk with him about his passion for God's word. Yeah, Dr. Lessing was one of my professors as a seminary student, and a renowned scholar has published five commentaries in CPH's commentary series, authoring a book that's coming out with them, countless sermon resources and studies. Uh, the guy, actually, I don't know how he can do it all, but he's he's definitely been gifted by God to be able to to write and to communicate about God's Word to folks. And he is the director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University, St. Paul. 
and teaches uh, religion there as well. He earned his uh, Doctor of Philosophy and Theology from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and it's a real privilege to talk with Dr. Lessing today. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Today we are with Dr. Reed Lessing, who is a professor at Concordia University, St. Paul, and he is a theologian and commentary author of various books of the Old Testament. Welcome, Dr. Lessing. Good to be here. Thank you. And glad to have you with us today. Yeah, so you have quite the repertoire of experience, and you've been in church work for the majority of your life. So can you share a little bit about your story with our listeners? What led you in the direction of becoming a church worker? Sure, I'd love to tell a little bit about my story. It actually all began in the the great state of Minnesota. Uh, I was a student in college, and I was offered a job to work at a Lutheran camp in Waterville, Minnesota, called Camp Omega. It's a ministry of the Minnesota South District of the LCMS, and being on staff there for three summers and being involved in studying God's word and sharing God's word really transformed me and led me then to enroll at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and want to be a pastor. Oh, that's awesome. Camp experience really is very a transformative thing. You were a camp counselor, right? I was, yeah. That's where I met my wife. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, really? So what camp was that? Well, it was a camp called Camp Warren run by the local conglomeration of churches. I'm sure they had a better name than that in uh, in Michigan in the county where I grew up at. So Camp uh-huh. Warren. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. I know that the, the camp experience is really very formative of not only discovering more about, you know, yourself and the people around you, but also really being drawn to God. So three years in a row of doing that, I can definitely see where that was a transformative experience. So your experience at the seminary then prepared you and your, your first call was to a congregation where? So I have served, prior to joining the faculty at Concordia Seminary, I served in congregations in Louisiana and Oklahoma. Wow, that's awesome. Getting a different cultural experience in Minnesota, right? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So you've had some different directions then as pastor in Louisiana and Oklahoma, but then you moved into the seminary teaching position. And like you mentioned that Rich was actually one of your students at one point. So that was an experience, right, Rich? Yeah. Oh, not just one of my students, a stellar student. (laughs) No doubt about it. No, really. I'm being very honest. Very sharp mind and big heart. Well, thank you. (laughs) He's not blushing over here. (laughs) So, like, what was it that led you to become a professor and actually focusing in on Old Testament history and uh, digging deeper? I fell in love with um, the Old Testament while I was doing my uh, Master's of Divinity work Seminary in St. Louis. In my uh, undergrad programs in the Old Testament, I was taught a lot of history. So the Old Testament is a lot of history, and that's probably uh, pretty much it. Maybe a, a one or two, half a dozen predictions of Jesus, and you can move on to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, that was my 
much in the Old Testament. What I learned then at the seminary was that the Testament is uh, full of wisdom and theology and drama and poetry and lament and celebration. And it, it paints a, a marvelous, beautiful portrait of Jesus. So I learned Hebrew in the Old Testament and have been a proponent of that for the last 40 years or so. So uh, in your role at Concordia St. Paul, you also have uh, gotten to start a new uh, ministry there at the university called the Center for Biblical Studies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I'd be happy to. The the center has as its goal to uh, disseminate biblical, confessional, Lutheran resources for pastors and parishioners. We do that primarily through seminars and workshops in which sermon series are developed and shared. And that would be annual uh, seminars that uh, help pastors and churches prepare for Advent and Lent, as well as their uh, stewardship emphasis in the fall. So we have those three seminars, and then we have a, uh, a general Bible seminar for lay people every March. So I invite people, you can just simply Google a CSP Biblical or CSP Center for Biblical Studies, uh, go to our webpage, and uh, you'll find out about those seminars, those workshops, those materials. We also host a scholar in residence every summer. This summer, we're hosting uh, Dr. Timothy Seleska from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, who's going to do a three-day study in the book of Psalms. Uh, we also lead tours to uh, Bible lands. So we've got a tour going, hopefully. Deo Valente, God willing, yep. to Israel after Christmas this year, led by uh, the fourth vice president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, Reverend Nabil Neuer, a uh, Palestinian who was uh, born in Nazareth and raised in Haifa. How about I think that? it gives maybe people a little sense of uh, what the center is trying to do. Mm. Awesome. Well, sign me up. That's right. <laughs> good. There are still spaces, Emily. Oh, yeah. that's good. Right, right. You were just thinking where you want to go on next on your next trip. So, okay. Yeah. So, as you've studied the Old Testament, you know, I think uh, a lot of folks get a little bit nervous about the Old Testament or feel less knowledgeable about what's in it. What inspired or intrigued you about the Old Testament in particular? Yeah, I think the the, um, the simple answer is that the best commentary on the New Testament is the Old Testament. I love yeah. the New Testament. Right. Uh, in, in fact, I got to teach Greek this past year at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, and so my Greek has never been better in my life. And uh, <laughs> I, I love to read the New Testament. I was reading the New Testament this morning in my devotions in John chapter 6. But uh, just to use that as maybe an example, Jesus' bread of life discourse, uh, a lot of it centers around Exodus chapter 16 and uh, the giving of the gift of manna. So I found that the more I dove into the Old Testament, the more uh, finally I understood the New Testament and uh, the, the ministry and the mercy of Jesus. That's awesome. And so... 
For those of us who are like, okay, you know, I I know the New Testament really well. I, I've engaged with it. Like, where would you say would be a, a good space of like either a rhythm, a place to start, or just a posture to take when uh, approaching the Old Testament? And I mean, you were expressing beautifully, like, you know, that this is a commentary right. uh, to develop with the, the New Testament, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like a, a mental hurdle or like an emotional hurdle. Oh, no, I understand. So I just uh, started uh, the book of Esther this morning in my devotions. And oh my gosh, Esther. Uh, Now I'm in the Persian Empire with uh, Artaxerxes as king in the capital of Susa. Well, what is all of this about? So it is challenging. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, uh, 77 point. Uh, 4% of the whole Bible, so don't let anyone say it's uh, the two-thirds or even three-fourths, <laughs> 77.4%. <huh? laughs> uh, but the way I read my Bible is I read sequentially through the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi. I always read from the book of Psalms every day, and then I read sequentially from the New Testament. So I already said John 6, Esther 1, and Psalm 110. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, What I have suggested for people to do is to add the book of Proverbs. In other words, uh, Genesis 1, Psalm 1, Proverbs 1, Matthew 1. I think that's a a wonderful way to read through the Bible. And I I need to do that myself (laughs) uh, because I haven't added Proverbs to my regiment. But I've had other people encourage me to do that. So uh, I think that's a, a wonderful way to dive into God's Word and and not get bogged down just trying to read through the whole Bible, uh, Genesis through Revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, and you've been, in addition, of course, to being a, a scholar and, and professor in the parish, both in your first calls and then between your time at the seminary and your current time at St. Paul. So what is the, what's the blessing, I guess, of being in the parish and the challenge, especially with regard to helping people get into the Word? My uh, journey has been nothing I could have ever planned. Mm -hmm. I have a foot in uh, both the academy and in parish ministry, and I've uh, been that way really for most of my ministry. All that is to say is that I'm not unique in this. I don't mean to put it that way, but I, I do have the ability to live in both worlds and and to bridge both worlds. Mm -hmm. And and a couple examples of that would be most recently, I mean, most recently, like this month, (laughs) my uh, commentary on the book of Zechariah was published by Concordia Publishing House. And uh, that commentary, that's my fifth commentary, it would be pretty different from the prior four. There's a lot more pastoral, homiletical, preaching, teaching moments in Zechariah because I wrote it while as a parish pastor. Right. And, and yet I still dive in you know, pretty deep into the Hebrew and, and the poetry and the history, etc. So to have my foot in both worlds helped bridge both worlds. And another example would be a book that I've written on uh, Jeremiah. 
Not a commentary. I mean, there are a big difference. Uh, books are <laughs> a little bit easier than commentaries. But uh, my book on Jeremiah coming out in August by uh, CPH is very pastoral. It's also, again, a, a pretty deep dive into Jeremiah. So as much as I have gone back and forth between the academy and the parish and the angst that that has brought, um, <laughs> it, it finally dawned upon me, oh, I don't know, five or six years ago, that God has uniquely charted my life so that I can contribute to the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel through these two different worlds that I live in. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I've just got to say, you know, I've spent, especially in more recent months, spent time reading uh, more in the CPH commentaries of which you've authored five of them. And I, I just wonder if you could tell us, give us a little insight, what does it look like to to write those commentaries? And, and you know, that's probably a huge question or got a big answer, but just kind of curious of, of the, the process and the way you approach that. Yeah, it's messy. It's okay. just messy. <laughs> There, there's no, you know, magic silver bullet to just, um, I, I start in uh, reading and rereading and translating and retranslating the, the book that I'm commenting on, both in the Hebrew and in the uh, Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. And along the way, I, I start looking at all the secondary literature. Again, it's just messy. So to take Zechariah for an example, it's about 537 book pages. I probably had about a thousand book pages wow. uh, in notes. And I, I didn't know what I had in a way. But once you have like a thousand pages, you just start reading and, and editing what you have. And it, I do that about five to six times. That is to say, I rewrite the book five to six times. And about on the fourth time, of course, I've deleted a lot of stuff. <laughs> but about the fourth time, I kind of find my voice. I say, oh. Now I understand my contribution to this book of the Bible. So that's one part. The other part is just sheer determination. I imagine, yeah. It's just not giving up because it's uh, <laughs> just emotionally, it's quite a ride because you know, you're in it for the long haul. It's like raising children or something. <laughs> You know, it's not going to be over in 18 months or three years. So you just keep after it. And, and um, I would just say one more thing. Uh, finally, uh, at the end of the project, it, it's uh, just a great delight to be able to understand this part of the Bible a little bit better and uh, not only to write a book on it, but also to go out and, and do workshops and seminars on these biblical books. Absolutely. Yeah, because ultimately the the word is for proclamation and the proclamation is the good news of Jesus and mm -hmm. God's work in our lives and, and in the world. 
Yeah, your process kind of, you know, from what I've heard, I'm not a Bible translation advisor myself. I have only been able to visit the field, you know, and, and pass through, you know, in a two-week time frame. Yep. But the processes of, you know, that this is for the long haul and this, the dedication and I like that term that you used of the messiness, right? Yeah. But the the joy that comes along with it of that there's what is it that we have as the goal is really for for God's word to be known um, to people. And so there there's just kind of, you know, as I was hearing you, it's just like, oh, there's like some parallels here of, you know, being able to, to wrestle and to, you know, like, okay, looking over and over and over the text. It is a lot like Bible translation in that way, too. That's, uh, there's, you know, I worked in Botswana and for almost six years. And at the time I was done, there's only one book of the Bible um, as the Gospel of Luke. And I, I have a copy of that on my shelf. And it's nothing the size of a CPH commentary. But it is still this precious thing that, you know, you say, wow, I had a hand in helping create this. And it had a messy process like that, too. And that one's about to publish, Lord willing, in the next year here, a full New Testament in that language. So just uh, exciting stuff. And it is a privilege, I think, to be able to have the the ability, um, the resources, the time to to really dig in and do stuff like commentary writing or translating the Bible. Oh, isn't that wonderful? The Gospel of Luke. Got everything started, huh? Is that pretty yeah. typical for LBT that you would start with Luke, or how do you make that decision? Ah, I thought I was the one that asked the questions right here. No, that's a, no, that's a great question. There is not a typical LBT way, except that we want to, our projects are guided by local committees uh, from the language community and the church, and that, that's usually the case that there are already Christian churches. And in the case of this particular language, uh, they asked for the Gospel of Luke to be first because they had seen the Jesus film shown in other languages, and they wanted mm -hmm. the Jesus film in their language for going out to these remote areas to show, and that's based on Luke. So that's that's how we okay. got there. Yep. Yeah, and actually, I mean, interesting. What I was thinking of, like, because you are an Old Testament scholar, there is a lot of you know the the parallels within culture. A lot of times, the language communities that we're working alongside, the things that we have to have you know side notes about, or you know, uh, cultural explanation before we dive into a text. There's a little bit more of a, a familiarity as our translation advisors are working with language communities that are more relationship oriented, you know, cultures that experience honor and shame more acutely than maybe we do. So there are things that are beneath the surface that maybe have to be made known to us more explicitly that language communities where we work with, it's more intuitive. So it's kind of exciting too of, you know, when, you know, narrative is so strong, but also like genealogies and how that's something that a lot of times we were like, okay, I, I don't know who any of these people are. So, but the impact that that makes on uh, language communities where family ties are so strong, it says so mm -hmm. much. So, yeah. No, I really like your <clears throat> concept and strategy of translating the Bible into people's heart language. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm really, you know, captured by that phrase because finally that's 
that's uh, the goal of you know Christian ministry, right? Whether it's Bible translation or camp ministry or writing a commentary, you're trying to get God's word into people's hearts. Right. And and it's it's uh, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? Mm. But uh, as you said, Emily, there's great delight in that. You have to love words to do any of this. True. Um, and you uh, finally are captivated by uh, the word made flesh, right? Jesus. It's uh, all just a, a wonderful calling upon our lives. It sure is. And it's a, a great privilege. And this uh, this year, particularly in uh, 2021, if people are listening in future years, <laughs> you have shared your passion and skill for putting God's word in people's heart language by connecting with our ministry uh, to produce the uh, materials for our Bible translation Sunday. And first of all, we want to say thank you for that. And I'm really looking forward to congregations all over the United States and other parts of the world really accessing these materials and, and going a little bit deeper into uh, learning about Bible translation ministry and God's word and how it endures and how, how it uh, points us to Christ. Tell us, when did you first learn about Bible translation work, the type of, you know, the, in, in all the languages around the world? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Uh, probably in in 1989. How does that sound? <laughs> I was a, a delegate to the uh, LCMS convention that was meeting in Wichita, Kansas, in the uh, summer of 1989. Mm. And uh, what a great experience just to get a, a uh, much greater view of the mission of the LCMS and uh, RSOs like LBT. We love to throw around our acronyms. Yes, so very we much. LCMS, yes. RSO, LBT. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I remember being introduced to LBT at that point and just being so in favor of the philosophy, the strategy, the, the missional impact that Bible translation has. Yeah, so, I mean, being able to hear about the different language communities and how God's word is for all people and how that just ties in so beautifully with the image that we have in, in Revelation, for example. I'm sure that you've heard some stories over the years connecting with Lutheran Bible translators and being connected so deeply with the biblical languages. Like, What is it that's been so intriguing to you about Bible translation ministry? Well, as someone who has been captivated by Scripture for most of my life, to be able to share that same joy with other people is there's there's nothing greater in the world. You you have both heard this, and this isn't obviously unique to me, but we understand that there's only two uh, things that are going to last forever. Yeah. And that would be people in God's work. And so why waste your time doing anything else in life? <laughs> um, get God's word in the people. So, and, and I had alluded to this earlier. And of course, my um, LBT sermon is based on the book of the prophet Jeremiah. But Jeremiah is just enamored with God's word. <laughs> uh, God put his uh, word into Jeremiah's mouth in Jeremiah 1 9. And then in uh, chapter 15, verse 16, Jeremiah says, when your words came, I ate them. They were the joy and delight of my life. Mm. Uh, 
So that's the the goal of Bible translation, right? To get God's word into people's hearts. So they read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest God's word. And so are transformed to live to the glory of God and uh, to be with the heavenly hosts, uh, as you said, Emily, uh, Revelation 7, all nations, peoples, tribes, and languages for people to be part of that celebration forever. Mm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the the sermon itself that folks will find on the Bible Translation Sunday website. Yeah, right. So uh, my work in Jeremiah, I was dabbling in Jeremiah for a couple of years, as I had indicated earlier. And there's this marvelous narrative in chapter 36 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the longest book in the Bible, word for word. Wow. Mm. Uh, so it takes a while to slog your way through. <laughs> but there's a lot of, um, you know, rock them, sock them, beat them, bust them. That's our custom kind of stuff <laughs> in Jeremiah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty breathtaking. And the guy in the black hat is Jehoiakim in chapter 36. And the setting is 605 BC. And Jehoiakim is destroying the word of God. He's cutting it up with a knife and throwing it in the fire. Mm -hmm. And so what does Jeremiah do? Well, the last verse in Jeremiah chapter 36 is that Jeremiah then dictates to his amanuensis or secretary named Baruch, uh, all the words that were in the scroll that Jehoiakim had uh, cut up and burned, uh, and many similar words were added to them, <laughs> is what it says. So it, it does take us uh, into uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, right? Grass withers, flower fades, the word of our God shall stand forever. So that particular event in Jeremiah's life has intrigued me for, oh, probably 10 years or so. So when I was contacted by LBT, I thought, well, uh, I bet a lot of people have never heard a sermon on Jeremiah 36, so let's go with that. It is time. <laughs> right. <laughs> It really sounds like, you know, just how beautiful that, you know, God is working all of these things together of your study and your connections with Lutheran Bible translators over the years and being Rich's professor and all of that coming together that more people might be able to celebrate mm -hmm. on Bible Translation Sunday God's word in the hands and hearts of people and digested and that how he transforms us by his word. So I want to, you know, as you have been the author of this sermon and by the children's sermon and other materials that are, are being created, what words of encouragement would you have for people who are considering, oh, you know, are we participating in Bible Translation Sunday this September? What words of encouragement would you have for them? Oh my gosh, what a great opportunity to get behind one of the best ministries in Lutheranism. So don't miss the opportunity. Give people the chance to see what LBT is all about. And as they say, right, if this doesn't light their fire, that they're working with wet wood. <laughs> so get some new wood because this is uh, right on the cusp of uh, making disciples of all nations. So uh, don't miss it. 
Well, we so appreciate your dedication, your enthusiasm, and and your prayers for the work of Bible Translation Ministry and the work that you're doing at Concordia University St. Paul to to share the Word of God with these uh, young men and women who maybe are just starting to delve in. Maybe they've been lifelong Christians, but that uh, trusting that God is at work uh, in and through your ministry, and we thank you for that. Well, thank you. We're looking forward to connecting more with LBT. And we do have uh, Dr. Samuel Teresa on our faculty, who is from Ethiopia. I know you do a lot of work in that part of Africa. And we're hoping that we can partner a little bit more uh, strategically and intentionally because we have Samuel and the connections that he has with Ethiopia and LBT. Uh, so whatever I can personally do along those lines, you got me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm committed to helping you in any way, shape, or form. Thank you. That's so awesome. And we really appreciate your partnership in the gospel, your uh, passion for the, for the Word of God, and for sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Lessing. Thank you. Dr. Lessing's energy and passion for Bible translation and just God's word in a language that we understand is just, it's infectious and contagious. And I just, I couldn't stop smiling as we were doing this interview. He was just like, not only the, the passion being endearing to my heart, like, because it's just, I mean, when you're in that kind of presence, it's just, you want to mirror that. You want to to engage and you want to share that yeah. same kind of energy. It's just so, it's so inspiring. Yeah, the thing I loved about being a student of Dr. Lessing's was the, the connections that he would make clear for us from the Old Testament to the New mm-hmm. Testament. When you start to see those connections, you just can't help but get excited about the Word of God and more so the Word made flesh and, and who dwelt among us all pointing to Christ. And so you can hear, of course, those of us involved in Bible translation ministry, we are passionate about putting God's Word in the hands of people. And I think for many of us, it's because we have been personally touched and and really can resound with the the feeling of how God's Word has moved our hearts. And and I'm sure for our listeners, you have that experience too. But I'd certainly recommend, if you have the ability and resources, to to connect with the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia St. Paul and take take advantage of some of the opportunities Dr. Lessing talked about, because they're really going to enrich your love for the Scripture and see why also maybe you want to get involved Mm -hmm. in putting God's Word in people's hands. And that's why Dr. Lessing wanted to get involved with us in launching Bible Translation Sunday 2021 and providing those resources. And we want you to to be involved in that as well. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out the website yet, lbt.org slash bts, we'd love for you to join us. You can be one of the 120 congregations. We'd love to join the celebration together in joining the Bible Translation Movement. So, yeah, we want to say thanks to uh, all you folks out there who've already done that and who are preparing for your congregations uh, to do that. If you're a member of a congregation, you're not quite sure how this all works. We certainly encourage you to talk to your pastor and point them to lbt.org slash bts or to, you know, talk to your Sunday school class or if you have a small group or just uh, invite a group to your home and download those materials and talk about it. And certainly you can reach out to us at LBT by writing an email to info at lbt.org if you'd like to uh, request that somebody come and talk to your congregation or to your small group about Bible translation ministry, whether it's the last Sunday of September or any Sunday or any other day during 
later in the year. Bible Translation Sunday is is uh, whatever you want to make it. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson and distributed by Sarah Lyons. Our executive producer is right over there. Her name is Emily Wilson. The podcast artwork was produced by Caleb Rodewald. Music was written and performed by Rob Veit. And I'm Rich Radowski. So long for now.